What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the 40 Yard Dad podcast. I'm your host, Cam Garrity. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Cam S. Garrity, um, where I post a lot of my articles and content that I actually write for um, the Patriots Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. So, really appreciate if you go check out some of the work that I got going there. But today, we're talking specifically. About the NFL draft that is now come and gone, the UDFA period has essentially come and gone, um, and the Patriots are kind of in that in-between period between now and when minicamp and OTAs and training camp and all of that stuff kind of starts, and we actually start seeing how everybody that has improved, practice the new offense, practice the new defense, um, whatever it might be, and the new special teams, all the new coaches, like we're we're getting close to actually seeing that stuff on pay on you know that is on paper get onto the field. Um, but today I just wanted to spend time kind of addressing the Patriots draft class. You know, it's we're now a couple of weeks removed from it, um, and I think it's now's a pretty decent time to actually go through it and and, and decide. You know, really. Where we stand, I would say. I was going to say decide like how it is, if I think it's a good pick or a bad pick, but I really feel like when people sit there, look, I give, when I give my draft grades out, that is mostly because of where the player was picked at the time, who was on the board, if there were needs, if, you know, they could have got the player later, uh, potentially, you know, that's kind of how I grade it. I don't grade saying, oh, this player's bad. This is what this pick is. My grades are essentially, you know, like, do I like the pick? Do I like the fit? You know, kind of weigh the opportunity cost between that, between going with somebody else um, and addressing major needs. And and that's kind of how I grade it. So I think it's a little bit premature to grade the player. Um, I, I really feel like it takes about two full seasons before you can actually like determine like, okay. This player is not what we thought he was in the draft process. He's not a good player. He's, you know, not to say he's not a good player, but maybe not the level of, you know, first, second, third round draft pick level. You know, back end of the NFL draft, UDFA, yeah, fine player. But way too early for that, so there's no reason to kind of go through and be like, oh yeah, these players, you know, this player was a great pick. They got him over this player. Like, I I think it's more or less about the situations, right? And I've always said this, too, with players. It really depends on the situation that they get put into. It depends on the... What's the best way to put this? It it really depends on the coaching, the, the structure of the organization itself. So, like, not just the coaching and the playbook and the scheme, not just the city. Like, do they have mentorship? Do they have good management and player personnel and player development to develop these players as players, but also as people and also as leaders and also as people in the New England offense, you know, in the New England defense, that is a minor point, but like in the New England area, right? Like in New England itself, out in the community, out in, in, you know, the fan base, everything like that, because all of that kind of culminates into what translates on the field, right? Because if you bring in a player, we've seen it in the past with some character concerns, with some, you know, effort concerns, it nine times out of 10 doesn't really work out. And the Patriots have 
had a habit of doing this in the past where they go and they find these players that they take a risk on. And we're going to get into that because there's a couple of players that I think are a little bit risky. Um, one in particular, really. But there there might be two that I think are a little bit risky of picks for the Patriots of of in this draft, if they could have went in other directions. But we'll get to that. And, and I think that that's kind of where I wanted to preface this draft. And I want to say that, you know, like all of these players, like we don't, we don't know what they're going to be really until we see them on the field. And I think that, you know, we can project and do everything like that. So I'm going to base this off of my pre-draft rankings based off of, you know, evaluations, second level evaluations, like after the picks going back and really looking at my evaluation notes and making sure that like what I said was true, like having a second look at the player, like understanding now, okay, how do they fit into the Patriots offense, defense, special teams, how would they fit in other offenses, defenses, or special teams across the league? Like, I kind of go back and look, and I've already completed that on everybody that the Patriots have drafted, um, you know, going back and watching film, you know, because look, when I do my draft kit, I do the top 50, I do top 10 at each position, which is about, I think it's about 1,200, uh, no, 1,200, geez, it's about 120 to 130 players, Um Give or take, this year I actually didn't do the specialists um, just because, I don't know, I, I kind of have been changing my philosophy on that. I think that kind of, I don't know, I think that's something that I skip on. But regardless of the point, I really think that the draft kit, like, it's way too much to go through and do all the specialists and to do all of the players in the draft for me, right? I typically keep it to the 120 or 130 because look, the Patriots, you know, are eventually they're going to get their own guys. And to me, making it to where, you know, I do the entire draft class might get a little bit too tedious, um, might not be as effective. I might not be as in-depth as I want to be with a lot of players. So I just kind of keep it to my top 10. Um, and the way I do that is I kind of just take a look across the board. I, I remember people that I've seen because I watch college football and watch a lot of it. I start there um, and then I really just go throughout the position, right? I watch a lot of clips and I say, okay, like where where is a specific player that, you know, maybe they, they popped on tape because I was watching another player last year. Or they popped on tape this year of me watching another player they're playing against. Or I just caught their tape and I'm like, wow, okay, I'm putting this on my list. I saw this highlight on Twitter in October. Or I saw this at this time in the year and I'm like, okay, let's let's keep this guy on my list for when he's draft eligible to do a little bit of review on it because that's interesting to me. So that that happened. One of those players this year was Demario Douglas, who, when I was watching Malik Willis tape, like that was incredible. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep this guy on the board um, and, and take a look at him next year. So without rambling any further about my draft process, I just wanted to set the stage um, to get expectations, really. The New England Patriots, they went and got Christian Gonzalez in the first round after trading back from 14 they picked up 120, and they were able to snag Christian Gonzalez, who, frankly, I thought was going to go in the top six. I thought deserved to be in the top six. I thought deserved to be the number one corner over Devin Witherspoon. He ended up going all the way to 17 
Now, there's a lot of different things that happened that caused him to fall. I don't think it was anything injury, character, or teams not liking him. I just think the Patriots got really lucky and the board fell the way that we would have hoped for them. You had three quarterbacks go pretty early. You had Will Anderson. You had Jalen Carter. You had a couple of surprise guys. Um, you know, going, you had, you know, Bijan Robinson, which not a surprise because I think that he was very much worth the top 10 pick. I think he wasn't going to make it out of there. But you had guys like Jameer Gibbs that went um, 12th. You had Darnell Wright, who was my fourth best tackle. I was very high on him, but he went in the top 10 to the Bears. Um, so, I, you know, there was a lot of different players and situations that kind of shook out you know I I was high on players like there was nobody that was in the draft where I was like whoa 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 that is way too early the only one was Will McDonald and that was in my opinion I think was a panic pick I think that was that was a, a very much panic pick that they weren't sold on Nolan Smith and they went with a very similar skill set they weren't sold on BJ Ojolari who went in the second round um so, yeah, I think that a lot of the board fell the way that Patriots fans and probably the Patriots brass were not expecting, and they've kind of alluded to that in their kind of draft analysis and their press conferences and, and in their meetings and talkings with people is they didn't – I don't think they felt that Gonzalez would be there at 17. So I think that was one of those situations where you kind of reset the board, and I think they probably would have taken Keon White there. I think they probably would have considered, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Zay Flowers or somebody like that at that spot. I think they definitely would have considered Jameer Gibbs at 17 if that's how the board fell. But I think Christian Gonzalez was very high up on their board overall. They didn't expect him to be there, and I think that's what ultimately led them to making that selection. Look, anytime you can trade back and get a top 10 talent and a player that you're not expecting to be there at 17 is a huge win. I think he's got great length. He's got great, you know, awareness, fluidity in his hips when he can, you know, he can kind of backpedal, flip and dip and just go and chase and react on some of those shorter routes. He's got good range, good speed. He's got to get better at tackling. That was one of the biggest things, like being a little bit more aggressive. But he's the type of player that now with no Devin McCourty, you have to replace that skill set at the back end of the secondary of kind of that free safety, that quarterback, that kind of seeing the field. You have to replace that and... You know, you're going to replace it with somebody who who is maybe more athletic than Devin McCourty, but cerebrally is not the same player. And to take some of the pressure off of that player, say it's Peppers, say it's Duggar, say it's Phillips, say it's Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, to be able to have somebody like Christian Gonzalez to be left on an island to completely shut down one side of the field that is something that is going to help replace Devin McCourty because of the fact that you don't need to have somebody that is now in charge of the entire field. You can kind of let them make decisions on, you know, from the middle out, you know, let's say they're facing the quarterback from the middle out to the left or to the right or wherever Christian Gonzalez isn't. You can almost, you know, make a case for like put Christian Gonzalez on one side, put, you know, Matthew Judon on the same side and just let them go to work. And if the quarterback throws it to that side of the field, like, 
you you're gonna you're hoping for a great play. That's all for that to even be a completion because Judon Uche whoever is going to be rushing the quarterback, getting in their face. Maybe you have somebody like Mapu covering that side of the field. You know, strong side, weak side, wherever Gonzalez is lined up, and you have Gonzalez in an island. So I think wh- whatever situation that's going to be it allows whoever is replacing McCordy at that free safety position because I don't think they're going to get rid of that role completely in this defense say it's Jalen Mills say it's Jonathan Jones you're now going to have a chance to let them be a little bit you know not have as much on their plate right away can they develop that part absolutely I'm not saying that that's something that is you know shut the door that's never happening but it is something to where you can look at and say all right like you don't got to worry about the entire field. You got to worry about, you know, 75% of it. A quarter of it is covered by Christian Gonzalez. Maybe 50% is covered by Christian Gonzalez. We don't know, but I think that's where I really like this pick, and I think that's, you know, going to help them somewhat replace Devin McCourty's impact in some capacity. Now, look, they're not going to completely replace him as one player, as long, you know, the longevity the athletic skill mixed with the cerebral skill to be able to just kind of be back there as a center fielder. But I think that they won't be hurt from his loss. We'll put it that way. I think, you know, as a leader, absolutely, I think they'll be missing that. But from the actual play standpoint on that defense, I think Christian Gonzalez allows them to do a lot of different things that they weren't able to do because he's got the size, the speed, the length. To be able to cover the T. Higgins of the world and, you know, the bigger, the DK Metcalfs and not have to put Jonathan Jones on there and then have somebody kind of shadow over the top because, you know, all it takes is a good quarterback to give a jump ball and they're going to win, you know, 75, 80% of the time because of the height difference, because of the reach. Um, so now with, you know, somebody like Christian Gonzalez, like there might be situations where if he's covering well, he's great and, you know, very sticky in coverage that they're not even going to look at that side of the field. And I think that's going to help a lot. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of players have compared him to Stefan Gilmore. I see a lot of Aqib Tlaib in his game, maybe less aggressive, but just that same very sticky in coverage, a little bit of nastiness to his game. Like, I think there is some of that in there. And I think that the Patriots, you know, they made the best decision they could at 17. Up next was Keon White, and I'm not going to lie, I was not extremely high on Keon White as a lot of people were. I didn't think he was a bad player. I was actually very high on the entire edge rushing class as a whole. I thought there was probably like 12 or 14 players that could be very good NFL pass rushers at the next level. Keon White was in that 14. I just don't think he was in my top 10. Um, I think there was a little bit of rawness, but after taking some time to kind of marinate a little bit on the pick in terms of the situation and the team that he is and where he was picked, I do actually like the draft pick because like I said, of those 14, it was really just him and BJ Ojolari at that point that were left on my board. Um, and also Derek Hall, like there was those three. And at that point, it's like, you're going for the raw athletic ability. Anyway, you might as well go for somebody that, you know, BJ Ojolari is going to have some troubles against the run. He's kind of a Josh Uche style of clone, you know, that, that fast speed rusher, not 
amazing against the run. Um, you know, certainly room to develop. And then you have Derek Hall, who is a good pass rusher, but is just really extremely raw against the run. Keon White has a little bit more upside against the run, a little bit more disruptive on the interior, has a little bit more explosiveness, you know, across the line, can play at multiple positions. And I think what they got there is a Dietrich Wise replacement. I think that that is, you know, a Dietrich Wise replacement, but also kind of a supplement and a Lawrence guy short-term replacement who I think is probably going to be a cap casualty, his age, his cap number. Like, the Patriots can save, I believe it's close to like $3 million of just cutting Lawrence Guy. He's up there in age. You got to start having these young, cheap contracts contribute. You know, we when you're up there and you're winning championships, it's totally understandable to go after and have these kind of a little bit more expensive, older veterans on those, especially on defense and offensive line. You know, you want to have some mainstays there, some people that know what to do, but eventually you got to start replacing these guys. And I think that's what Keon White is. And a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the Josh Uche, you know, replacement. It's, it's you know, just in case they can't get a deal done. And well, I understand that sentiment because he's an edge rusher. I think they play completely different skills. Um, I honestly think Josh Uche plays a little bit out of position in New England. Honestly, I think the Patriots never really have those kind of speedy edge rushers like that, that kind of just like with the dip and the bend, which is why I think they should keep Josh Uche. I don't think he's bad. I just think Keon White is a Dietrich Wise replacement to stick him on that line to allow Uche to pin his ears back and not worry about the run on one side because Judon is very good in both ca- in both kind of, you know, run and pass. Obviously, he's more of a pass rusher, but he's got, you know, he's capable to set the edge and defend the run. So I think that's kind of what that replacement is. And you can stick, you know, Godchow and Christian Barmore on that line next to Keon White. I think Dietrich Wise is somebody that, you know, will probably end up starting. We'll stick on the team for another couple of years because he is a leader. He is a captain. He is somebody that is respected in that team, and he's still young and he's still good. And I think that as long as Keon White progresses, I, I think right now, unless Keon White comes out of the door and just is like, wow, we found a diamond in the rough, I don't think there is a case to be made for him starting right away. I think he will definitely be involved in some early packages. I think he'll be involved... Um, definitely in Lawrence Guy's role. I think he'll, he could probably even sneak into some of Christian Barmore's plays, um, just because of, you know, the whole injury issues last year, just trying to kind of keep him as fresh as possible. Um, so I think that that's a possibility. I think anywhere where Carl Davis and, and Equale were last year, I think he could definitely eat up some of those snaps. Um, so I think he's going to play. I just don't think, you know, he's not ready right now to be a three down edge rusher, defensive end I think that's just not kind of where he is right now um who knows camp could change that but I do like the pick I like the fit um and I think the Patriots were very clear like they wanted somebody and they went out and got him that kind of brings me to my next pick here the third round pick of Marty Mapu um linebacker safety out of Sac State um, look, Patriot. I'll, I'll just say this. Patriots listed him as a linebacker. They control that. He is a linebacker. He is a Fred Warner type. He is the the guy that we've been looking for. 
that speedy sideline to sideline inside linebacker that has a little bit of upside coming downhill, can spy a quarterback, can cover a lot of ground, the new modern linebacker. He is not a thumper. He is not just a bulky gap control, fill the gap, make the tackle. That is great. And I think Bentley will still have that. They will still have a role here in this offense, in this defense, I should say. They will still use Bentley on early downs without a doubt because I think Bentley is a little bit underrated in terms of coverage. I don't think he's super fast to be sideline to sideline, but I don't think he's, you know, completely inept where he's only, you know, a first down kind of linebacker. You know, I think they'll use both of them. I think Mapu immediately, what he does is it's that Jamie Collins role initially that we've been trying to fill with Raekwon McMillan, with Mac Wilson. But I also think he is, you know, a Jonathan Devai upgrade, right? I like Devai. He's a good he's a good depth piece, not a bad player. But I think Mapu is going to be kind of that Tavai role, but also filling what McMillan and Mac Wilson have failed to fill here in New England. Look, a lot of us wanted this kind of player, and I think he's a perfect in-between that the Patriots, you know, they still get a little bit of size. He's 6'3", 220, but he's not slow. He's fast. He can cover. He can, you know, trigger downhill to attack, say, Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or somebody like that, even Lamar, breaking out of the pocket and, you know, at least push those guys out of bounds when there's good coverage, um, you know, downfield, which we're hoping with an improved secondary. So it adds a little bit of speed, adds a lot more pressure, allows the defense to get off the field. Because, look, the Patriots have a good defense, but one of the problems I thought was they weren't, they were getting turnovers, but they weren't giving the Patriots offense enough opportunities. Now, last year, the offense was terrible in the opportunities they got. But I don't think there was enough, you know, there was not enough three and out, like true three and outs. I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to close on late downs. And a lot of the times you just had faster, more athletic, more dynamic offenses we're getting what they wanted, and and we're hardly getting stopped. And I think that's what was the cause of losing a lot of these games. Yeah, they had a good defense, but you know, they it was a bend but don't break defense, and and this allows you to like be stout to not even bend. I think this this kind of this is a nice move. I think it frees up Duggar. I think it frees him up to go back to you know that traditional safety role rather than being in the box majority of the time. I think this allows, you know, Mapu to kind of let Duggar go back to his natural position. Um, Not that he's bad in the box, but it it just allows the defense to be a hole. If you can find somebody else that can do what Duggar does, that is, has the natural linebacker instincts in Mapu, you're going to do that and let Duggar handle the coverage instincts, the one-on-ones with the tight ends and the, and, Having, you know, controlling the seam and and getting involved in the run game, certainly, but allowing Duggar to kind of fill into that safety role is going to make the defense a lot better. And I really like the Mapu pick for that example. Now, I thought the first two days at first was a little disappointing because they didn't address offense. However, what really stuck out to me is that the Patriots, a lot of the tackles in the first round were gone well before they even picked. And I don't think that they were high on Broderick Jones. And I don't think they were high on Anton Harrison that early. 
The second wave of tackles went earlier because of how early the first wave of tackles did. So I don't think the Patriots were ever in a position, really, to get a tackle on day one or two um, without feeling a little bit uncomfortable with the player. I think that they, the guys on their board were long gone. I think the same was for tight ends. I think you know what Macro said is that they had a tight end board and a lot of those guys came up real fast. So I think they were kind of in on that group with, you know, the Michael Mayers and the Musgraves and the, you know, Laportas and those guys were long gone before their pick or, you know, were close to their pick. And, and, you know, they had, you know, they could have went in that direction. I think they thought Keon White was a first round player. They, they considered trading into the first round for him. So I think the Patriots took a look at that and they said, you know, we're still, our guy's still here at 46. Let's grab him. And, you know, let's hope some of these tight ends fall. And unfortunately, they didn't. And I think that that's why they didn't go tight end. And the same for receiver, right? A lot of those guys, they probably valued in the second round. They all went immediately in the 20s. Um, and anybody else that they kind of valued, they felt they could get later on in the draft. And, and it was kind of proven so. So I think taking a look back now, I think the Patriots kind of played the board as best as they could. And, and look, yeah, I was upset they didn't go offense, but they've they kind of made up for it in the second half of the draft. I think they got some good developmental pieces. So we're going to jump into that real quick is the next guy up on this board is, is Jake Andrews, the center out of Troy. Um, look, I, I did some work on Troy, uh, on Troy, on Jake Andrews, um, watching Troy film kind of just keeping an eye on it. Um, before the draft, I thought he was a pretty decent Center guard had some flexibility, most likely to be, you know, that Ted Karras replacement, um, an upgrade over James Ferentz. And I, and I think, honestly, that's really what he is right now. I think they like Cody Rusi as, you know, a David Andrews replacement. I think Jake Andrews could do that. But I think they looked at it and said, look, we need somebody a little bit better than James Ferentz, somebody that's closer to Ted Karras, somebody that can come out here and play center, play guard, in a pinch, because that's what hurt us, right? And and it's clear by the rest of their picks that what hurt them this year, yes, people say it was the tackle, but most importantly, it was the pressure up the middle um, when injuries occurred, right? When, when David Andrews went down and you had James Ferentz, or when they decided to make changes with Cole Strange because he was having some issues early on, they struggled, really, uh, in not giving Mac enough time up the middle. They really struggled with power. And I think that that's kind of really adamant of like why they made this pick, Jake Andrews, but why they also made the other picks, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, I think Jake Andrews right now, I think this is more of a Ted Karras, you know, James Ferentz kind of move um, just to give them some depth. Because look, this offense is designed around keeping Mac Jones upright, allowing him to use his best skills, which is to process, which is to read the defense, be a point guard, distribute it, accurate, put some touch on the ball, let those athletes get the ball in their hands and make plays. He is not a throw it down the field, use his arm, move his legs. That's not who he is. He is a distributor. He is a point guard, and he is very good at doing that. And there are a lot of quarterbacks who are very, very good at doing that. Like Drew Brees is one of them. He is very – Drew Brees was a player that made his career 
off of that, right? He had a little bit more arm arm talent upside, but he he wasn't, you know, an incredibly deep throwing ball, but he was very accurate. He had good touch, good anticipatory skills. Like that's the type of player that he was. Jimmy Garoppolo is the same type of player. And for all you guys want to say, like Jimmy Garoppolo is a very good quarterback. He just can't stay on the field. Um, so there's a lot, you know, this league, that is a style and especially fitting for somebody of that West Coast offense, that being able to use guys that are great with, you know, after the catch running. And I think that's kind of what this speaks to is like, look, to allow Mac Jones to be able to be what that is in this kind of offense in kind of that Alabama West Coast kind of hybrid that Bill O'Brien likely will be implementing is you need to give Mac Jones some time up the middle. You need to give him time because he needs to be able to take his drop back, survey the field, because look, the tackles, he knows the understanding of the timelines between edge rushing, right? The He's going to have, when he gets into his drop back, he's going to have a few seconds from his drop back to be able to process after, after the edges, up the middle is a different story. They can blow up plays immediately because if it's a run play, if it's RPO, if it's, you know, a simple zone run like that, those are things that are affecting the ability to do play action, the ability to do RPOs, the ability to do even Mac Jones to do some read options like that's affecting it. Um, and they can disrupt and blow up plays and affect timing. And I think that that's one of the things, you know, it, it, it affects Mac Jones's drop back. It affects his ability to put touch on the ball. It affects his ability to process because he's now forced to not only quick think quick, but think even quicker. And especially with the Patriots not having a lot of great, you know, their, their offense is not predicated on let's have some separators and have some guys who can get open in a phone booth. Theirs is, let's have some guys who can find the sweet spots in the zone, who can get open, who can run the design play, run good routes, get the ball in their hands, and then make people miss. That's kind of their their offense's set up. So I think the Patriots have had a little bit of issues last season with that pressure up the middle. So I think that's kind of what Jake Andrews helps with. That's some depth. It's adding depth. And look, he's the fourth player they pick. So I think that a lot of people are like, oh, he's he's just going to be a bench player. Like, I think he is truly there to be a James Ferentz upgrade and closer to a Ted Karras prototype. Be able to sit there, be able to... David Andrews is getting up there in age. He can't play, put in Jake Andrews, right? Cole Strange gets injured, put him at left guard. Mike Nwenu has to fill in because we have tackle issues, Put him at right tackle for you know for a game for a few plays. Pop in Jake Andrews at right guard like that. That is kind of what his role will be, and that's and, that, and even spot starts right. If they want to give some 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 rest to David Andrews, who this could potentially be his last year. He's had some injuries the past couple of years. You get a guy like Jake Andrews, who's look at he's going to give him a game. You know, middle of the season as we get close to let's say bye week is week eight. You know, maybe week seven, David Andrews sits out and Jake Andrews plays center that game. Like, that's kind of how the Patriots have to look at it. And I think there is some flexibility that this pick gives them for multiple reasons. One, if Mike and Wendy leaves in free agency, you got a replacement there. If David Andrews retires, you get a replacement there. If both of those things happen, you have a replacement there in Jake Andrews that can play either position, and then you can figure out the other one 
whatever you think is easier. So it gives you some flexibility there. It also gives you flexibility because Cole Strange has some flexibility to potentially kick out to left tackle. I wrote that in one of my um, articles. He's got the size. He's just got to add a little bit of weight. He's got great footwork. He's athletically built. He played some left tackle in college. Like he could do that. He also could play some center, which he's done in college and has the attributes to do. So Jake Andrews gives you more flexibility along that interior of the line, which I think the Patriots really love to have regardless. I think it's an important piece for a playoff run that I think a lot of NFL teams don't really take advantage of. They don't really take a look at and say, we need somebody that can play center and guard at a pretty high level. Um, So I think that's what Jake Andrews is. The next pick was a trade up uh, to get Chad Ryland, the kicker out of Maryland. And look, a lot of people are like, wow, a fourth-round pick on a kicker. It's like, look, the Patriots needed a kicker. I, I had this in many of my mock drafts and many of my needs. They needed a kicker and a punter. I actually had a few of my mock drafts that had them taking both a kicker and a punter because I thought they were high-level needs. Punter, definitely. Jake Bailey's gone. We knew that. But with kicker, it's like Nick Folk has lost the ability to kick past 50 yards. He can't kick off. He's great. He's accurate. But it's like, do we really want him here just for extra points or do we want to start taking a look at can we find a franchise kicker for the next four or five years minimum in this draft and I think that that's what they did with Chad Ryland they went up and got him and look you can talk all you want about it's early they traded up for him why did they do that look when you have 12 draft picks if you're gonna move up and get a kicker I'm not gonna be mad especially when he is the second kicker taken off the board after Moody went in the top 100 like look Go and get Chad Ryland. I'm totally fine with that. They're going to have somebody who can kick off. They're going to have somebody who can kick past 50 yards, kick field goals, you know, in the wind, in bad conditions, um, because he's used to playing outdoors. He's used to kicking in bad weather. Like, I think it was a great pick for them in that situation. I'm not going to get too much into it because we're going to see. He could be another, you know, Rohrwasser. He could be another uh, Quinn Nordine from a couple years ago. But at the end of the day, they went and they addressed it and they added a kicker. Now, the next couple of picks I'm going to lump together um, is City Sow and Antonio Maffi. I think this is another move there. It gives them some flexibility. I think Sow can play left tackle, as there's been some reports that the Patriots are going to try him out at left tackle. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the experience to do so. Um but he also has the ability and he's highly athletic and powerful that like he is a project for the interior line if Mike and Wenyu does leave. Um, if the Patriots can't retain him. Or if they want to move Mike and Wenyu to right tackle. I know Matt Groh and team have said, oh, he's kind of settled in at guard. But I don't know. I think there is a chance that that Mike and Wenyu can play some tackle. I, I, I just think... I know he settled in, he's better there, but look, if his agent's like, look, let him play tackle, he's going to get some more money. You know, he's going to get, instead of 10, 11 million a year, you know, he's a really elite offensive lineman who's going to get 15, 16 a year. Um, And also just for his pure versatility, I think any team that is in desperate need, if he does want to test free agency, will pay 17, 18 million dollars a year for him because he's got that flexibility to play guard or tackle on either side. Um, so I think that's kind of, that's, you know, something that you kind of have to consider, but I think Sal can play that. I think they're going to test him out. I think they're going to try it. And I think that, you know, there is a chance he could be a left tackle. 
But at the end of the day, like he gives you some real depth. Like I said, the Patriots need that help up the middle. They need that depth up the middle. They need to keep a pipeline going for Adrian Clem because they don't have a pipeline. They don't have any good depth in, I think, basically, that's what this pick is. Let's invest. Let's have some options. So if people want, if people get too expensive for us, we don't have to draft. Like everybody's like, well, well, you drafted this, you drafted that, you know, you have all these draft picks and you drafted these, you know, offensive linemen early instead of getting us a receiver or a tight end or a running back. And it's like, I'd rather them this year when they have 12 picks, when they really have a lot of open roster spaces in the future, right? Because that's a big thing too to remember is that after this year and next year, like they don't have a lot of players locked up long term. Like they have a ton of cap space over the next three years. They have not a lot of roster space. So like take the players, take the damn players, put them on the roster and give yourself flexibility so that if Mike Unwenu becomes expensive, if Trent Brown regresses and you need to replace him, because look, you don't have any really long-term answer at tackle answer at tackle either. If that happens and things get too expensive, you have the flexibility now of two young guards and Mafi and City Sal. That if Sal is not a left tackle, you have two really good guards and Cole Strange and Jake Andrews. That you've got four guys in that pipeline, four guys under contract long term, four guys that are on that pipeline long term that. Adrian Clem can develop and bring into a pipeline. And then at that point, you can start adding in a six-round pick here or there to add to that depth. I'd rather them do that than get into a position next year where Mike and when you decides to leave in free agency, Cole Strange is your left guard, Jake, uh, David Andrews retires, Jake Andrews is not what we think he is. And, you know, because I think they were going to grab a center regardless. And now Trent Brown's cut, not on the team. Or actually, I think this is his last year in a contract. He's gone, and when he's gone, David Andrews is gone. Like, I, Riley Reef's going to be gone. Calvin Anderson might be. Like, you look at all of those situations and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I, I, now we're going to have to take a first round pick on a, on another guard, a first round pick on a tack, like on a tackle, on a center, whatever it might be. You don't want to do that, and I think that the Patriots don't want to do that, so I'm, I'm okay with them taking some guys here in the middle rounds, especially considering how the board fell, especially considering how a lot of skill players didn't go until later. As, like There was a lot of you know fifth and sixth round receivers that I had in the third and fourth round. A lot of them went undrafted. Like Bryce Ford Wheaton, I thought, was going to get drafted alone based off of his combine performance, and he was undrafted. When I look at this Patriots team, I'm like, I'm okay with those picks. I think you you have some flexibility now in the interior. Worst comes to worst, you have three really good backups. I think Mafi's a good enough player. I liked him a lot. I had a third round grade on him. I think he's going to be a good right guard for your team or for whoever. And and look, it gives you the flexibility. You have now a developmental pipeline. To if players get too expensive, you can move it out. And the Patriots have always done that. They hardly give any players really a second contract unless they're kind of backed into a wall. And as much as we want to say like, oh, the Patriots, like they let all these guys go and they don't draft well enough and, and you know, this and that. And it's like, I'm pretty confident in their ability to kind of reshape the offensive line whenever they see fit. I think that they very rarely have a terrible enough hole 
to where they actually are affected against it. I think last year a lot of injuries was the cause of concern, but I think they have a good way of like patching together an offensive line if needed. So, I don't know. I think if, if they want to you know play the route of letting these guys like Ted Karras and uh, Joe Tooney and you know maybe now Mike Unwenu and they let these guys that are really good go hit the market and go get paid elsewhere and get a comp pick for them and kind of move on and have a guy in the pipeline, totally fine if that's what they want to do. I, I prefer to, to keep some talent when you have some talent, especially considering, like I just said, they don't have any ro- a lot of roster space. I mean, they don't have anybody taking up space on the roster, and they have a ton of cap space in the next few years. Like, it wouldn't hurt. Like, if Mike Unwenya wants $11, $12 million a year over five years, give the guy a five-year, you know, Sixty million, whatever it might, whatever it comes out to be, probably five years, sixty million, whatever guaranteed. Like give him the damn contract. He's a good right guard. He can play tackle in a pinch. He's young. You developed him. You drafted him early. Like just cash in, keep him there. So that's my philosophy on that. Um, but I want to jump real quick to kind of the end of the draft. This is kind of like the late day three um, selections, and it was Kayshawn Booty. Um, and I've heard a lot of different people talking about Booty, Bootay. I don't know. I really don't know. If you're coming to me to the answer, I don't know. Um, I've heard, and I've looked it up, he has said Booty. Um, I don't know if he was joking or if he's serious, but he said Booty. A lot of people say Bootay. I'm going to say Booty until we hear from the Patriots broadcast week one of the preseason when he gets a catch. Like, that. that's how I'm looking at it. So... That's interesting. Also, keep in mind, the cutdown day, I think it's just one cutdown day now this year as opposed to the two, as opposed to the three it used to be. So we're going to have a chance. You know, these players are going to have a bigger chance throughout the preseason to kind of work through and get a roster spot. But I want to talk about Boutte and Booty and whatever you want to call them because I think I think this was an excellent pick. I saw I thought a lot of receivers, a lot of players, they fell, right? They, they fell... Um, Further than I thought, like Josh Downs went a lot later than I thought. I thought he was going to be an early second round pick, potential sneaking into the first round. Um, Darnell Washington, like there was a lot of players, Zach Kuntz, a lot of those different players that I felt could have really made an impact for the Patriots, but made an impact in the league that kind of went later. So I really like the Kayshawn Boutte pick because... Uh, the Kayshawn Booty pick, sorry. I don't even know. I can't even say Booty pick because, you know, Kayshawn Booty pick because now that's going to get flagged. Um, anyway, we're just Kayshawn pick because I'm going to wait until he confirms what it is. But I, I I like that pick because there is the upside. He's a first-round talent, without a doubt, five-star that is banged up with injuries, had a really serious foot injury. And ran a little bit slow in the combine. Didn't test well. But when you turn on the tape, it doesn't look like this guy runs a 4-5. And look, 4-5 is fine. Like, it's not slow. If he's a good, methodical route runner and good player, he's going to be good in this league. Like, don't look at 40 times as, like, the answer of, like, is this wide receiver going to be elite? It's not always the case. Like, there are some receivers that are in the, you know, 4-4-9, you know, 4 Four five one, four five two. That are elite receivers. It doesn't matter as long as you just have good hands, good route running, good idea for creating separation, like good release packages. Like 
Everybody in the NFL is fast, okay? You're in the NFL. You're fast. He's five-star. He's a good player. I really like the pick. And they took a chance on potential off-field off concerns and you know, effort concerns and I- injury concerns because he's a sixth-round pick. Now, if they used him in the third round, I would have been a little bit upset. But look, they went and they got the guy. And I honestly think he's making the roster. I think a lot of people are like... What, 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 why is he going to make the roster? We have X, Y, Z, you know, this is why. When he's that talented and you want to get him in the building, you want to get him around mentors, you want to get him to all of those character concerns, injury concerns, it's going to take a year for him to really be impactful. Like give him a chance. It's not going to be coming out of the woodwork. I mean, he could, he could very well come out of the woodwork and be like, the, the Tariq Woolen pick um, of last year of, like, why did this guy even get past where he did and somebody took a chance on his talent and he's good? That's not the case. The, the, the case with him is, like, he has these issues. And, and if, if they are true, and like I said, barring him exploding onto the scene, take a chance on him and really take a chance on him. Like, instead, you held on to guys like Trey Nixon and Lynn Bowden Jr., Take a chance on this guy, and this is no disrespect to those two guys I just named, but take a chance on this guy. Put him on your roster, right? Like, you, you gave if you gave Nikhil Harry a few years, you got to give this guy a few years who has the same talent. This is essentially a first-round pick. This is essentially, in my opinion, like the Patriots used a first-round pick on a guy that redshirted last year. Like, that's how I look at this. Give him... A real opportunity to get into the building, get into the training regimen. You know what his medical history is, obviously, because you did extensive work and you took a pick on him. Get him into the building, you know, have a guy like Juju and Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne and Mac Jones, Hunter Henry. Like, have those guys put him under his wing, right? Have him find some old LSU guys like Jalen Mills. And... Take him under your wing and and let him, you know, show him the Patriot way. Like, I know it's cliche and everything like that, but show him what it is and get him in the building because he's got the talent to be truly elite in this game and do not give up on him after a year. Like, don't cut him in camp. And it, it, he. This is why I think he's making the roster. He's too talented, right, to not be drafted. That, that's essentially what happened. He was, regardless of how his off the field and injury concerns, his tape is too explosive and talented to just turn away from and to just be like, no, we're not drafting this guy. Any team, not just the Patriots. The Patriots picked him because he wasn't going to be there as a UDFA. He was not. He was going to get picked. Those kind of guys do not, that are that talented, do not live on the practice squad. Because they will get taken by a wide receiver desperate team at some point where they have injuries across the board. They're going to pick the guy up. And you don't want to be the team that drafted this guy and took a chance on him in the sixth round. And then put him on your practice squad. And some team scoops him up and he becomes you know, a 10-year vet in the NFL and an elite receiver. You don't want that to happen. He's going to make the roster, I think, because of the fact that I don't think he's going to make, unless he's injured and gets the Foxborough flu and is is redshirted this year, he's on this roster. 
the next person I think is on this roster too is Bryce Barringer. You don't draft like look at you don't draft a kicker and a punter. Now I've heard the arguments of like, oh well maybe like with the UDFA, you know, the UDFA signing bonus and the UDFA classes, with those getting bigger and bigger and bigger each year and more guaranteed are these sixth and seventh round picks really just like UDFAs and they're getting more late picks to draft? It's like, sure. If that's what you want to believe, totally fine. I, I, I could totally get behind that, but I think that's more of a seventh round thing. I think when you get into the seventh round, I think that's where you can start looking at like, okay, we got these guys in the seventh round because, you know, we think that they were UDFA and it's a little bit more cost effective to draft them in the seventh round now than to sign them as a priority UFA. Sure. That's, that's, that's how we can look at it. But I think Bryce Barringer and Chad Ryan, I think you draft these guys because you're like, look, let's just get some continuity at these positions. Let's get someone young. Let's get someone with big legs. Like let's, let's start getting into the new NFL because look, this is the end of the day. The Patriots are going to be more aggressive they're going to try to go for things. They're going to try to open up the offense. And look, if you have a guy who can kick at 55 yards, take the kick instead of punting it. Take the points. And I think that that's how they, they're viewing that in this league. We've got a great defense. We should have an improved offense. If we don't score, we gotta we got to put something on the board to take the pressure off of our defense. And I think that's what the Patriots view with this pick. So I think Barringer's on the roster. He's the best punter in the entire class. So I'm glad they got him there. And then DeMario Douglas, I talked a little bit about this earlier, about how I looked and I found him on one of my evaluations of Malik Willis last year, and I left him on kind of my board, and he came back up this year, and I really like him, and uh, one of the things I actually saw that Evan Lazar said, uh, I think it might have been last week or the week before, was that he's day three Zay. Um, I I see a lot of the same similarities between him and Zay Flowers, and I think that DeMario Douglas, essentially what this move is, and and this is why I think he's on the roster too. I think both of these receivers in Booty and Douglas are on the roster because put it this way, Devontae Parker is done after this year. Kendrick Bourne is done after this year. Uh, and this is barring extensions or re-signings. You got Juju and Taekwon under contract. That's it. So Barring any trades, restructures, re-signings, extensions, you got two receivers on the roster after this year. These guys are going to be on the roster for that reason. But not for another reason is strictly because they're very talented and explosive players that offer you something you don't have. Demario Douglas is somebody that I think could fill that Marcus Jones role in year one, that kind of package of like that, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, get the ball in his hands kind of plays. I think he could take over that package so that they can use Marcus Jones more on defense where they want to use him. He also can kick return, which is a plus, meaning that he's not going to be taking it away from Marcus Jones as a punt returner, but it's one less thing off of his plate. Demario Douglas is going to be on this roster because of that, but then after this year, like I said with those contracts, he has the ability to then take over, say, a Kendrick Bourne role, right, where he is asked to do a little bit more in the intermediate and, in, and a little bit more over the middle and get the ball in his hands in that way. This is a way to have a wide receiver pipeline, right? Trey Nixon 
and Lynn Bowden and guys like that, you you take chances on in the past. Christian Wilkerson, like, take the talent. The talent's there. The talent's on paper. It pops on film. He's speedy. He's athletic. Like, take the traits and see if you can turn him into something in this roster. So I really liked that move. I think Douglas and Booty are both making the roster for the sole fact that I think that they need those skill sets, but it's also a developmental thing. Keep them on the roster for a year, reevaluate in the offseason, but you drafted these guys, they're cheap and under control. If, if they're at least capable, right? If they're at least Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, like, or I should say, let's just say, if they're at least Nelson Aguilar in production-wise, if they come out and, you know, Douglas has got, you know, you know, he's, he's got the ball in his hands and he, he does what Marcus Jones did last year, like very similar to that. Sure, keep him. If Kayshawn Boutte gives you 30 catches and 400 yards with a couple of touchdowns as a rookie, like sure, take it. Keep him there. That's what the Patriots have to do. Jumping really quickly to, I think, a mere speed. Honestly, I'm going to put it this way. I, I really think this is the first year where, like, they drafted a lot of players, but I also think a lot of these guys make the roster. I think a mere speed can make the roster as, like, a Sean Wade replacement. Like, they want to get taller. They want to get faster. He's got some ability to play some safety. Like, I think Amir Speed has has some, obviously has speed, but I think he has an ability to be on this roster to be a replacement for Sean Wade, to kind of edge Miles Bryant out of the team who has, you know, experience um, at safety, right? Now you have John Jones and, and kind of Marcus Jones that could fill that nickel corner, but also you have, you know, the ability with Jabril Peppers and, and Adrian Phillips and guys like that. So, like, Miles Bryant kind of, comes redundant. Sean Wade is a failed experiment. Like maybe he's a practice squad player. So I really like this pick with Amir Speed. And he's probably going to be a special teamer. Like he is he is going to be a special teamer first, but I think he's going to give you more than a guy like Sean Wade who is a healthy scratch, right? All the time. Or or somebody like Miles Bryant who's good but just not good enough. And I think Amir Speed can be a little bit of an upgrade on that depth. Same thing with Isaiah Bolden. I think that is a pick to replace, you know, to be a kick returner, to be a punt returner. If they want Marcus Jones to be just a, de- a defensive nickel corner, if and, and look, this is the thing, like, Marcus Jones, people forget how good he was coming out of the draft. Like, people were like, oh, yeah, he's an electric kick returner, and he's, a, in, you know, he can play on offense, and he can play on defense. But, like, Marcus Jones, a lot of the scouts said if he had, like, two more inches on him, if he was, like, 5'10", you know, a little bit more weight on him, he'd probably be the first corner taken, second corner taken. Like, his coverage skills were through the roof. Like, he he was, he's got first-round cover skills. So I think that's kind of, you know, the Patriots' philosophy on this is, like, if we want to, like, let's get this guy just focus on the defense. I think a lot of what was done on offense was more of an emergency basis than anything. Like, yeah, he's versatile, he can do it, but I think it was mainly because they're like, we need to, get down the field. We need to do something. And that's what Marcus Jones was. So I think Isaiah Bolden has got some really good explosiveness. He's got some good speed, some good size to be a potentially good corner. And look, the Patriots have that philosophy now where they want to go and get an explosive corner. And that's what it is. Explosive, tall corner. If I'm the Patriots, I really... I'm hoping that these guys turn out to something, but fine. If they're just special teamers, if they're just returners, who cares? 
I think there's a chance for them to make the roster because I think the Patriots look at their team and they wanted to add more size and speed, right? I think they're they're kind of evolving a little bit of their game. I think they were sick of seeing, you know, their best coverage corner and Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones getting beat by guys like T. Higgins and guys like DeAndre Hopkins and guys like DK Metcalf over the years. Like, you know, because we're keeping up with them, but we're just not big enough. We're just not big enough to get the ball and to shut them down. And I think the Patriots were, were, you know, we're done with that. And I think, look, this is hedging their bets on Christian and Gonzalez. Like, if Speed and Bolden and Gonzalez, if one of those guys hit, which Gonzalez is most likely to hit, you have your lengthy, speedy cover corner. And look, Bolden, he's he was taught. He was, he was coached by Deion Sanders. And... There's something to say about that who is a lot he was a really good coach. He's a good player, he's got good speed. Um and he's just good. Like he's good enough to be coached by a corner that really knows how to do it and has done it in his career. So I think there's something there and I think the Patriots draft class like I I'm really this is like one of the first draft classes in a long long time where I actually walked away and I'm like really happy with their approach. They address needs across the board. They address depth like a year from now. They address those needs later. And they had a philosophy and they stuck to it. So let me know down in the comments, down on Twitter, at Garrity what you think your favorite picks were in the draft. Um, look, I, I gave the Patriots, you know, a really good grade on the draft just because I think that they filled a lot of those needs. And I think a lot of these players, there is a philosophy and a reason behind a lot of these picks. So... Anyway, uh, again, Cam Mascarity on Twitter. If you if you've listened this long, I really appreciate it. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to you know actually sit here and listen to this hour long podcast. But that's been it. Um, I'll have some some articles, some content coming out on Twitter. If you want to follow me at Cam Mascarity, that's where I post a lot of my stuff. So appreciate it, and I and I I can't wait to get out there and train camp and give you some feedback on how I think some of these players are performing and. What I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it to a lot because I do have a full-time job, so it is going to you know, be a little bit diff- difficult. But again, really excited for this season. I really like the draft picks, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks. But anyways, that's been it. I'm Cam Garrity, and thank you guys for listening to the 40-Yard Dad podcast, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Peace out.